0: Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Get Your Goat, Josh here, there is a lot to fill you in on on this Friday. The MLB trade deadline has officially just concluded, so I'm going to go over some big names, some of the big ticket items and players that have been traded, who just got better, what's on the move, what does this mean, adding up to my top five teams in the MLB Now, sort of post-trade deadline, and if some teams stood pat. Then, I'm going to finish off my top 10 players of the NFL. Now shifting to the top safeties, and why that is so important. A blockbuster trade in the NBA yesterday, right before the draft. Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. What about that? And then, some NHL trades as well. So, yes... A lot to get into. Let's start with some baseball. And particularly starting with the biggest name off the board yesterday and the most aggressive team for him, the Los Angeles Dodgers acquired Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Washington Nationals. It looked like a deal was in place for the Nationals to send Max Scherzer to San Diego Padres. And that was not the case. The Dodgers swooped in, and not only got Max Scherzer, but Trey Turner. Max Scherzer is a free agent this off season, so this is just for this postseason run. But you can't deny how great Max Scherzer is, and how good he is this year, sporting a two seventy six ERA, which is phenomenal. Uh, 5 to a quarter strikeout-to-walk ratio. And his ERA is the second-best on the Dodgers behind Walker Bueller. And I like this trade for Max Scherzer if I'm a Dodgers because Trevor Bauer is not coming back this year with the allegations against him, uh, members of the team not even wanting him back, the fans not wanting him back, uh, you kind of needed that pitcher. It looked good, but, uh, you can erase Trevor Bauer this year, so you need another pitcher. You got Max Scherzer. You have Walker Bueller, who is a really good player, your best starter. And you've got Clayton Kershaw, uh, who's always, uh, back and forth on the injured list, is a great regular season pitcher, but has his postseason woes and always has a shaky postseason, even though he won. The World Series last year, uh, he still wasn't the best pitcher on the team. So you cleared some things out. Uh, Dustin May is out this season for Tommy John surgery. So it was good to strengthen this in the best division in baseball, the NL West. They went out and got Max Scherzer to solidify, solidify their starters. And they also got Trey Turner. As I said, this is a team uh, that has dealt with a lot of injuries, but their depth is why they've been so good. So they got more of it with Trey Turner, who's an all star uh, at shortstop. But with the Dodgers all star that they already have in Corey Seeger, Trey Turner will move to second base. And Trey Turner has batted pretty good so far. 322 which is a great batting average. 18 home runs, 21 stolen bases. Made an all-star game appearance this year. He is amazing, and it just frees up this whole team where Cody Bellinger no longer will have to play first base. Everybody sort of shifts. You won't have Albert Pujols playing as much. You're going to get people back healthy, and they look to be the ultimate powerhouse. I told my dad this yesterday after the Dodgers completed this trade and were doing this, that, you know, isn't this, you know, what the Yankees did like 20 years ago? They went out and got everybody, and, you know, my dad said, yep, that is the case. They were the evil empire. They bought everybody they wanted. They traded for everybody they wanted. And it seems like this is the Dodgers now uh, winning out to get Trevor Bauer before his allegations trading for Mookie Betts. Now this trade with Max Scherzer. Dodgers want to be the new mecca of baseball. It looks like time is running out on the Yankees. Yes, Yankees will always be the most storied franchise with the most championships ever. There's no taking away from that. But as of right now, it looks like baseball is LA's world, or at least the state of California. Because there's sporting three of the best teams there in the San Francisco Giants, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the San Diego Padres. Uh, The Los Angeles Dodgers want to be not only the best of the West, but the best in the whole country. And with this trade that they pulled off, it looks like that's the case, getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. So they did that. What else happened? Well, the New York Yankees... Acquired Joey Gallo, outfielder, and then also Anthony Rizzo, first first baseman within around 24 hours of each other. What does Joey Gallo bring? Well, he is a stud defensively, plays a ton of positions, first base, outfielder, most likely be playing outfield, I'd say left field. And this is great because they struggled defensively out there with Brett Gardner. Aaron Judge and dealing with injuries, or Brett, yeah, Brett Garner, Aaron Judge, and Lamar, whoever, isn't filling in for the center fielder. So they have some stability on defense because he is a gold glove candidate, was an all-star this year, has 25 home runs, and he is a left-handed bat, which I like because the Yankees are severely lacking left-handed home run hitters. Have the second fewest home runs among left-handed bats in the way Yankee Stadium is designed is for left-handed power. So they went out and got one of the most powerful left-handed hitters in Joey Gallo. Not only that, but he walks a ton as well, leads the MLB so far in walks. So he is just a high on-base percentage player with great defense. So I think this was an excellent trade. Maybe not the best batting average because he does strike out a lot. But if he's not striking out, he's on base and should fit in with the Yankees here. Then they got Anthony Rizzo, another fan favorite of the Chicago Cubs. Their captain, their star first baseman who was beloved there in Chicago got traded to the New York Yankees. I like this trade as well because Rizzo is another left-handed bat and he's a great first baseman. And with some of their troubles, just defensively, they need it because now DJ LeMahieu can play his natural second base, Anthony Rizzo can play first base, Glaber at shortstop, Geo at third. So this should help defensively. But then offensively, he's batting 248 with 14 home runs. Should do better again at Yankee Stadium, designed for left-handed hitters such as Anthony Rizzo. So I think the Yankees were trying to go in on getting these high-profile players to help them out. And it looks like, as I go through more of these trades, that the AL East is going to be loaded. Two, well, what else did the New York Yankees do? Well, just came in that the Yankees traded for Andrew Heaney, uh, pitcher of the Los Angeles Angels. Not you know the greatest starting pitcher, uh, not a great ERA, somewhere around five six one seven losses. So he's not a top end high end guy uh, that they were looking at or Scherzer or Jose Barrios. but. They got them to try to strengthen it because their starting pitching in their bullpen as a whole has been very shaky and not reliable as it has been in years past. So the Yankees are trying to shore up some issues as they try to, I think, fight for a wild card. I think the AL East title is too far back for nine and a half games back. But the wild card is very much in reach for these New York Yankees. What else? Chris Bryant, another beloved Chicago Cub player with the iconic smile that he gave when he threw the ball from third base to first base to get the clinching out against the Cleveland Indians to win their first World Series in 2016. In 108 years, his left was traded to the San Francisco Giants Another great third baseman, and I think will fit in great with the Giants. We just talked about the Dodgers making moves. Well, who's the best team in the league? That's the San Francisco Giants. They saw their rival making moves, and they made a move of themselves, getting an all-star in Chris Bryant, who's batting 267, 18 home runs, 50 RBIs, playing really, really good baseball, the best baseball I think he's played since they've won the championship. In 2016, they acquire him to make this push to the playoffs. And not only that, but beef the Dodgers. And I think acquiring him definitely helps. They didn't need starting pitchers. They have some of the best already. Their defense is good. This trade will only help them defensively. It's not like they need help defensively. But it helps them offensively. Balanced as well. And I love this trade for the San Francisco Giants. Another AL East team, the Toronto Blue Jays, got in on the action, in there with the Yankees, battling for a wild card spot. They traded for Minnesota Twins pitcher, Jose Bureus. And, what has he done? Well, seven wins, five losses. He was one of the best pitchers behind Max Scherzer to get, and they got Barrios with a 3 4 ERA so far this year, playing really well, and the Blue Jays, lacking great starting pitching, said we're close enough with the Yankees to battle for a spot, we just dominated the Red Sox the other night, and we think we can make a move well. Because we've got players who've won it in George Springer. Before, let's bring up this starting pitcher and see how he rolls. And I think this is great. It just adds to the AL East and the domination of that division in the AL. I think it is a great trade for the Toronto Blue Jays. Definitely doesn't help out any other team, though, in there. Then the New York Mets acquire shortstop Javier Baez from the Chicago Cubs, getting rid of all the Chicago Cubs. Loved roster, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. The infield gone, their first, third, and shortstop, all gone. And the Mets got a good one in Javier Baez to kind of pair him with Francisco Lindor. Javier Baez is so shifty defensively. And this year, batting 248, 22 home runs, and 65 RBIs, he's a hitting machine. But what do you get with that someone who likes to swing a lot? Well, he leads the National League in strikeouts. But the Mets right now, are leading their division in the NL. They got teams behind them, the Phillies, the Braves. Nationals are a fire sale, so they're done. So it's really between the Mets and the Phillies. And they said, we're going to create some separation with this Javi trade. We're going to get him. He's good friends with Lindor. Javier even said he wanted to play with Lindor. It just makes that infield better defensively. Hopefully, with their friendship, they get going offensively as well. But, good trade for the New York Mets. What else? Another ALEs team. The Boston Red Sox traded for Max Schwarber from the Washington Nationals now he's been injured as of late still on the IL but before he went down in this stint he's been batting 253 25 home runs 53 RBIs or runs batted in he has been really good is a good outfielder but also can play the DH role so this bolsters the Red Sox lined up tremendously who already feature all-Stars in J.D. Martinez, Bogarts, Rafael Devers, adding Kyle Schorber, especially when he gets back from his stint on the injured list, will help this team much. They saw the Blue Jays making moves. Uh, the uh, Rays, Tampa Bay Rays, made the move for Nelson Cruz. The Yankees, and they got in on this because they're the leaders of the pack right now. And they said, no, wait a minute. We just want to get an insurance guy. And they got one of the best ones. So I think this will help them down the stretch. And as I said, this AL East is loaded. It really is. You had every single team in this division, uh, excluding the Baltimore Orioles, make a major trade. The Red Sox getting Kyle Schwarber. The Tampa Bay Rays getting Nelson Cruz. The New York Yankees getting. Getting Joey Gallo or Joey Gallo, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo and John Heaney, and the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, getting Jose Bureos. So they did it. I mean, they're all going for it. And the thing is, not all of them can get in it. Uh, only three. Of those four teams can make it, one of them wins the division, so it's automatic. Tampa Bay has the edge, but New York Yankees, Toronto Blue Jays, others all will be battling for that spot, last spot in Val Wild Card. And then the last NB or MLB trade that we'll go over is the Chicago White Sox trading for closer Craig Kimbrel. Went from the Chicago Cubs right down the street to the Chicago White Sox. Now Craig Kimbrell was great with the Boston Red Sox, won a World Series, was tremendous. Then he had a bumpy road in his first couple seasons with the Cubs, was injured, didn't look himself. Well, he has now been, to me, the best reliever in baseball this season. At first, it was a rolled this Chapman for the New York Yankees, but with his recent slide and with Kimbrell. With 23 saves this season. A .49 ERA in 39 appearances. He has just been absolutely phenomenal. The White Sox have a dangerous lineup. They have a decent bullpen. But they just added one of the best closers to help this team out. And I think he's going to do just that. So to me, the MLB got very, very interesting Today and with these trades, to me, it is sort of wide open. To me, you have the favorite looking like, is it going to be the Dodgers? Is it a repeat? I don't know. I'd say not so fast. There's a lot of other good teams out there that made moves as well. We'll see which moves have paved off the most. We'll see. Well, now getting to the NBA. Another major blockbuster, in the day of blockbusters yesterday, Russell Westbrook and two second-round picks, I believe a 2024 and a 2028, were traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Montrezl Harrell, and their first-round pick yesterday. At first, I did not like this trade. I didn't like it, I was very skeptical I said, you know, Russell Westbrook Is not a shooter That's not what he does LeBron and AD should be surrounded by Shooters uh, That can space the floor And knock down open shots When they pump the ball out And Russell Westbrook is not that guy You sort of like a LeBron And I was very nervous Then I sat on it overnight, stewed on it And I've come around To liking this trade, and I like it because LeBron's not playing every single minute, and to me, he shouldn't be the primary point guard of this team at his age. He just can't do that. So to me, when LeBron's out, you basically have a mini LeBron in Russell Westbrook that can handle the ball, bring the ball up court, uh, who is great at playmaking, like LeBron is, is a downhill scorer that gets to the bucket. And we'll do that. Uh, Draw contact. So I think it is great to have another good primary ball handler in there. Yes, they're lacking shooting. I don't think they're done yet. I think they'll acquire a shooter. But to me, it was a good trade because you're looking at a team like the Nets. If I had the Nets big three of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant to go against the big three of the Los Angeles Lakers, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I would take the Lakers because they are bigger. Yes, the Nets are better shooters, but defensively, the those three for the Lakers are better. It presents Mitch. It presents matchup problems, mismatches, right there. Because if you have Kyrie guarding Russell Westbrook, you got maybe Kevin Durant guarding. LeBron James, you're going to leave James Harden six foot six on a seven foot Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis can easily get to the hole. Or if you switch and you have Kevin Durant on Anthony Davis and you have LeBron James on James Harden, it's just not fair. So I like it in terms of that. They're looking ahead, I wouldn't overlook other stars. You know, it looks like the Chris Paul is going to resign with the Suns and uh, the Clippers. If Kawhi is still there, uh, probably not this year because he'll be uh, coming off that ACL surgery. But the Nuggets, so we'll see. But I like it because Russell Westbrook again is a passer like LeBron, three-time assist champ. Was the assist champ last year? Is a two-time scoring champ as well as I said. A downhill scorer, nine-time All-Star, again just brilliant, two-time. All-Star MVP has been a league MVP. Is athletic? Is all get out? Uh, hustles gives you effort as well. The only thing I said is that he's not a shooter, so that's the only thing I'm worried about. Is his field goal percentage? You know, sitting around forty-three percent, forty-four percent, which isn't great. His three-point percent is at thirty-two. Again, this is his first year. And around six or seven years where he wasn't selected to the All-Star Game. So, is it the system? It was his first year with Washington. Who knows, but he was great playing with Houston uh, and fitting in with James Harden. A little different in Washington with Bradley Beal, but I think with LeBron and AD, some of that pressure off of him. He has pressure to perform. But the pressure to me is not as great as A. D. and LeBron. He's the third star on that team. LeBron and A. D. are better and mean more to this team. He or Russell Westbrook's just gonna have to do what he has to do. But again, the triple double king, who leads the league in the most all time triple doubles, uh, is just sensational and will play his heart out for the Lakers is an LA man. And I think the Lakers won this trade because you got Russell Westbrook, who is a surefire Hall of Famer, even though the only thing he hasn't done is win a championship. They got him, they traded Kyle Kuzma, who I don't even know what to say You know, that's good about Kyle Kuzma because he's another guy who just can't play the game of basketball Uh doesn't look right, uh, playing with LeBron and AD, never really fit into their system, and I'm happy that he's gone. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, happy that he's gone, uh, never really fit in uh, with the Lakers, always afraid to take the shot, it was a 3-and-D guy, but turned into a 0-and-D guy, not shooting the ball, not playing stellar defense, as advertised. So I'm glad he's gone. The first round pick, you know, Lakers would probably bust up on it. So I'm glad they don't have that. Montrezl Harrell's the only one. He's a player who gives you all heart. Performance is brilliant. But I don't think the Lakers know how to use him. So that's something I'm fine if he's gone because I really like him as a player. I saw how good he was with the Clippers winning six man of the year. But just with the Lakers, Uh, Frank Vogel was never great to really utilize him so to me at least for the Lakers perspective, I think this was a good trade for me to do especially considering how much you know Russell Westbrook to Houston and all the picks they got been Houston to the Wizards it's just less and less and I thought it was a good trade because they didn't give up years worth of draft picks like they did for ad so I am fine with this trade and on top of all that the NBA draft was yesterday Cade Cunningham guard from Oklahoma State was selected number one to the Detroit Pistons the Detroit Pistons got a legit star who was great at Oklahoma State brought down the house uh, was clutch wanted to take the last shot I'm glad he's fired up to play in Detroit where they do not have a good team but maybe Cade Cunningham can be the start of something special. I like the Orlando Magic pick. They had two top eight picks. Jalen Suggs, who is one of the best players in the draft from Gonzaga, who hit that iconic game-winning three against UCLA was great. Franz Wagner from Michigan, who's a defensive superstar from college, now coming to the NBA, also has a great scoring touch too. They do it. Golden State Warriors had a couple nice picks too, two top 14 picks. I think they hit home runs on both of them, even though they didn't trade them. So, a lot happened in yesterday's draft. We'll see how it all shakes out coming into this NBA season. Now, before I get into my top 10 safeties, I just want to say something about Aaron Rodgers, and that is had his press conference, I believe, uh, Wednesday afternoon, where he literally crapped all over the management of the Green Bay Packers, and the Green Packer Green Bay Packers were just sitting there, knowing they can't say anything, can't do anything. We just have to accept it, giving in to trade demands of Aaron Rodgers trading for Randall Cobb, where the general manager said, yep, this is Aaron's deal, you know, we'd probably never make this deal. So to me, the animosity is not there. I mean, I don't get it. If you're the Packers management, why keep this guy around if you're going to do things you don't like just to sue him, especially if it doesn't pay off and you don't win a ring? That is all very concerning to me. But Aaron Rodgers got his wish. He stayed there. I think he would love to stay with the Packers the rest of his career, even though I don't think it'll happen. I think with that contract that he signed, it'll be the perfect exit for the Packers to trade him next year and hopefully get a draft pick that they like to where if they don't feel Jordan Love is the guy, they can draft a quarterback in that spot. But now to get to my top ten safeties in the NFL. And to me, safety are a very important part of your defense part of that secondary uh, because they are kind of a do-it-all. They can act as a corner cornerback in coverage, lining up against wide receivers. They can go down into the box sort of like a linebacker, so it is a very hybrid role, but some most of the time they're asked to play deep, high in coverage, and you're really the last man standing most of the times between a touchdown and preventing a touchdown, tackling the opposing wide receiver to where they get it. You're usually the last line of defense. You have to have great awareness instinct to where the ball is going some safeties it's single coverage so it is kind of like a baseball outfielder where are you jumping to the left side or the right side if the quarterback pump fakes or not so to me safeties are very important well who are my top 10 starting off with number 10 is buddha baker safety for the arizona cardinals and to me he you know, is a good coverage, safety, big hitter who excels against a run. Uh, definitely a guy that doesn't play deep in coverage, but more in that linebacker hybrid position uh, to where they cannot run the football when he is down there. The only thing about Buda Baker is he has great stats, but his highlight play is sadly not even his highlight play. It's when DK Metcalf came in and hocked him when Buda Baker looked like it was going to be you know, this 90-yard pick six, and DK Metcalf catches him from behind to score on the six-yard line. That's the only thing, but other than that, Buda Baker is terrific. Three Pro Bowls, two first-team All-Pros, one this past year, and one his rookie year. Two interceptions... Before this season, he never had one interception. This year, he comes in with two. Two sacks. Is young. He played great. He had that record contract extension for a safety at that time. And still played great under those circumstances. Is decent in pass coverage. Each season, he's gotten better as well. And you look at missed tackles. He's had 13 this past season for a missed tackle rate of just around 10%, so you don't want to see a high missed tackle rate from safeties, because that's their job, is to wrap players up. But he is really, really good at that and stopping the run, so that's why I'll give Buda Baker number 10 from the Arizona Cardinals. Number 9, Jamal Adams, safety for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he is really good, was supposed to be the best uh, safety in the NFL and the Seahawks traded for him, put him under a microscope, and I did not see the best safety uh, in coverage. To me, he is very, 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 very bad, uh, very bad in coverage, but he is great off the blitz in this hybrid role with 34 total pressures, of quarterback 15 more than any other safety makes a quarterback very uncomfortable just going there. Another safety who excels off a run three straight Pro Bowls this season before this one in 19 his last with the Jets was a first team all pro last year got dinged up a little bit near the end, which impacted him, but he is you know such a hard hitter. Nine and a half sacks last year, that's more than some linebackers, that's brilliant, but no interceptions, a force fumble, that just shows you how hard of a hitter that he is. And again, nine missed tackles, better than Buda Baker, um, missed tackle rates just slowly below a 10, but he blitzes a ton, sended him on 98 blitzes, uh, knocked down the quarterback a ton, as I said. Gets in the face. But the only knack I have on him is coverage and how bad he is, especially this season. The past two seasons was actually really good. A quarterback rating of 75 when thrown to him. This season went up 30 points to a 105. That is something he severely has to work on. And maybe that's why he was the best safety in the Jets coming to a loaded NFC NFC West maybe hurt him, but i like to see him bounce back. Number eight, Adrian Amos, the Green Bay Packers. It seems like every list I've done, I've had Packers players on here, so just want to say Aaron Rodgers, you have pretty good teammates around you, even though you like to call a lot of people out. And to me, he is underrated. You don't hear Adrian Amos' his name a lot. Because he's you know not the hardest hitter or the you know flashiest guy, but he has nine interceptions in six years, you know produced the highest coverage grade among all safeties last year the best coverage guy ninety one and a half, seven pass breakups, three picks, very good, sort of acted like a cornerback out there. that's how good he was as well, kind of playing that center field. Had a couple quarterback hits as well. So, Adrian Amos did a lot for this defense. You know, 10 missed tackles isn't brought out on the blitz as much as others. Is more of that pass coverage guy, but doesn't allow a lot. The quarterback completion percentage when thrown. Adrian's weight is 67 with a quarterback rating of 85. So, it's been consistent. He's been good, especially in this system of. Green Bay he came uh, from Chicago where he was more of a free safety and a different safety role. Now he primarily plays the strong safety, but I like him too because he's reliable, he's durable. Jamal Adams, as I said, has dealt with injuries in St. Buda, whereas Adrian you know, is sort of that Iron Man the past few seasons. So I like him coming into the season, especially in coverage, for a safety Number seven, Jesse Bates the third Cincinnati Bengals. Bates to me last season, you know, was one of the best had the highest overall grade for a safety last season at ninety point one, you know, had another season where he was great in coverage just like Adrian, just short. Of Adrian's coverage grade at 90. 12 pass breakups. 3 interceptions. You know. Is really. Really good to me. A little bit better. Than what I just said. From Adrian Amos. But he's younger as well. Which I like a lot. Has played every game. Started every game. 3 interceptions. Every single year. Last year even got a 4th fumble. As well. You know. 109 tackles. 1 guy that rarely misses a tackle you know is him He knocks down the quarterback gets after him as I said the coverage grade is very high opposing quarterbacks completion percentage is 54 and the rating of 70 that is better than some cornerbacks and some cornerbacks that I had on my list that's how good Jesse Bates is in coverage and again I think the only thing I'd have to say is for missed tackles even though it's a decent number, I'd like to see less of them, 16 missed tackles, uh, with a rate of 12.8%. So I'd like for him to cut that down. But during coverage, you really can't find much better than him. So who's number six? That's Tyran Matthew, the honey badger from the Kansas City Chiefs to me. He is a difference maker within the Chiefs to me. He doesn't have the best stats of all safeties, but within the system that he plays in Kansas City, he means so much. He is the big playmaker, the difference maker, versatile, can do it all with the Kansas City Chiefs, is a Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler, two years in a row, two, or actually three first-team All-Pros every Pro Bowl that he's been to, been a first-team All-Pro as well. Two years in a row in Kansas City, and he had one year with the Cardinals as well. Last year, had six interceptions. Ball-hawking safety, who gets after it. couple quarterback hits, 62 tackles, only missed eight tackles, eight. That's pretty dang good. Doesn't blitz a ton, but when he does, he hurries the quarterback, gets after him, good in coverage, completion percentage allowed at 62 and rating of 60, which is excellent. Tyran Matthew does so much, means so much to this defense, and is so experienced, but yet so good. You know, has been in the league for around seven years now. Started with the Cardinals and fantastic, traded to Houston, was good and now to Kansas City, where he somehow evolves to an even better player. That's why I take him. A lot of the a lot of other players, Tyran Matthew, is one of the best safeties in the NFL right now. Well, who's just above him in my top five? One of them is Marcus Williams, for the New Orleans Saints. Again, another one where you have bad memories like Buda Baker. The Minneapolis Miracle that he allowed on his watch a while ago. But what has he done since then? Well, he's reliable. Three interceptions last year. Rarely misses games. And only three missed tackles last year. That's as good as you're going to get. Missed tackle rate of 4.8%. So yes, he missed that tackle. The Minneapolis Miracle years ago, but since then, he has not missed tackles, which is what I like, that's what you expect from your last line defense, you know, is not getting burned, not making stupid plays, but hitting the wide receiver or the running back hard, and not getting fooled, that's what Marcus Williams does, he's no longer that fool, he's grown, and he's grown into one of the best safeties in the NFL, and that's why he is number five. Number four is John Johnson III of the Cleveland Browns. Has he been with the Cleveland Browns? Has he even played a snap with the Cleveland Browns? Nobody's on that team now. His whole life he's been on the Los Angeles Rams. Again, overall grade, coverage grade, over 80 last year and was a quarterback of the Rams defense with his time there. Playing in every game was a signal caller back there, especially last year. 105 tackles, 9 missed tackles, a good coverage uh, safety as well, allowing a quarterback rating of 71. So he fits so well with this Rams defense, is going to fit so well with this Browns defense I think as well, quarterbacking that defense, not missing plays, not missing time, and I think it's going to show too. If the Rams lost a great one, some of his team, some of the analysts saying, oh, you know, this Rams defense is going to be just fine. Yes, they've lost some players, but they'll still be the best. Yes, they might still be the best, but I think you're going to see a step back. And part of that is John Johnson leaving because of the huge impact that he had on this Los Angeles Rams defense. And now he brings it over to the Cleveland Browns. Who's number three on my list? That is Minka Fitzpatrick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, To me, he has been so good for the Steelers. Uh, Nine picks, 11 pass breakups over the past uh, two seasons. Was a strong safety in Miami where it really wasn't his role. Then he got traded... Mid last year, to Pittsburgh, or two years ago, to Pittsburgh, where he's now in his free safety role, which he played in college and is now playing here, and two years in a row, he's been a pro bowler, two years in a row, all pro, first team. Four interceptions last year, one forced fumble as well, recovered that fumble, tackled for loss, 79 tackles, he... Is really good as a force to be reckoned with in coverage, 50% completion percentage on a 65 quarterback rating. I think for how good he is, uh, for how good he is for this uh, Pittsburgh defense coming in and being one of the top defenses now with him, than where they were a couple of the years before Minka and not being there, he shows the value, the leadership that he has as well. Even though he is a young guy, only in the NFL for three years, he kind of acts like the leader of this defense. The only thing I have on him is he's had 11 missed tackles. I think if he shrinks it down to single digits, this will only help his case as being one of the best safeties in the NFL. With top two now, and number two is Harrison Smith, who has never had a poor season so far with the Minnesota Vikings and has been there for around nine years or so. And he is just brilliant. Five time pro Bowler. Has been all pro as well last year. Started sixteen games and I feel like he started every game he's been in, you know, since two thousand sixteen or whatever, the past five or six years. He's just been really good. Five interceptions last year. Completion percentage allowed of sixty-five, quarterback rating of seventy-one, eight missed tackles, eight point two. He's kind of do it all again. The leader back there for the Minnesota Vikings is what he has been, and he gets the job done. Even last year, when the Vikings had a terrible defense, you know, one of the worst. Harrison Smith was one of the standout, and really, to me, the only standout of this defense. What about number one? Well, to me, he's been number one the past two years, actually. And that's Justin Simmons for the Denver Broncos. Last two seasons, Simmons has the number one overall grade, 90-plus grade, for a safety. And he's playing with the Broncos. And his name kind of gets lost in that position. Last year was his first time going to the Pro Bowl. Very well-deserved past three seasons he started every game five interceptions last year 96 tackles as well to go along with 12 missed tackles which to me is a little high but he blitzes he gets to the quarterback quarterback completion percentage of around 75 percent uh into me he again is a leader of this defense, has stepped up with Von Miller, especially being injured last year, and other players in this uh, Broncos defense. But Justin Simmons is a man, 16 career interceptions, another great safety who kind of plays like a coverage corner and is always at the right place at the right time, can play the center field as well, and has great. Football instincts to where the ball is going has a great knack for finding the football on the defensive side, and that's why he is number one. So recapping these, my top ten safeties is 10, Buda Baker, 9, Jamal Adams, 8, Adrian Amos, 7, Jesse Bates, 6, Tyrann Matthew, 5, Marcus Williams, 4, John Johnson, 3, Minka Fitzpatrick, 2, Harrison Smith, and number one, Justin Simmons. Well, time to get in to more Madden ratings. Today was the last day of the Madden ratings. I gone over them with you last time and what I thought. Well, they yesterday they came out with defensive backs today, quarterbacks. So they actually did top safeties yesterday. And it's kind of what I thought, except for Justin Simmons is severely undervalued. The fifth overall safety at 91. Buda Baker is number two. I don't believe that's correct. Uh, Tyree Matthew is there at number one. Uh, I like his overall at 95, but I do feel like Justin Simmons should be at 97. Overall, to me, Jamal Adams is very high. Harrison Smith is low. Minka Fitzpatrick is very low. Number 10 at 89. He should be much higher for how good he is. So that was very controversial. The cornerbacks, I thought Jalen Ramsey was right on at number one. Stephon Gilmore was a little high at two, but Jair was right at three. I like Tre'Davious at four, even Marlon Humphrey. I think the severely undervalued was Xavier Howard, who's one of the best, but is sitting at number six. To me, you should switch him and Stefan, and Xavier should go get over there to that number two rating. And then the quarterbacks. Well, Patrick Mahomes to me, even though Tom Brady's a GOAT, Patrick Mahomes and his passing ability is deep passing. Makes him the best, and I don't see surprise in the game like Madden. He is number one. Again, 99 club. Tom Brady moving from a 90 to a 97 is well-deserved because he's the GOAT and one of the best, the best passer of all time and is still right now in the league. Aaron Rodgers coming off an MVP season at three. I like Russell Wilson I have at four. So really my top four quarterbacks are right there where they should be. After this, the list is terrible, gets messed up. Matthew Stafford, not in the top 10. Lamar Jackson, very high at 90. Josh Allen, coming off an MVP-type season, and he's sitting there at 7, not even changed his overall. Staying at an 88, I don't like it. Ryan Tannehill in 87, Uh, I like the rating, but being the number 9 quarterback, definitely think that is excessive uh, for Madden and what they are doing Uh, they should definitely uh, be better. What about the NHL and some of the trades there and things that have happened? Well, one of the big ones was the Coyotes sending Darcy Kemper to the Colorado Avalanche. Huge because Colorado Avalanche lost their good goalie, Philip Grubauer, to the Kraken, and they needed one, so they paid a heavy price for a first-rounder. And it looks like Arizona Coyotes have so much draft picks in the next two years. Uh, a lot of young talent coming in there, which I like because they're not going to be competitive in this division at all. The Seattle Kraken, because they signed Phil Grubauer, traded Vitek Vanacek for a second-round pick back to the Capitals. So they kind of fleeced the Capitals through that, which is funny. Corey Perry signed with the Lightning. He's lost to them two years in a row. With the Stars and the Canadians, So he joined the enemy. Good for him. I think it's a bad luck charm. Brandon Saad. Former Blackhawks player. And former Avalanche player. Signed with the St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Bills are rebuilding. Got Pavel Buchnevich Signed Brandon Saad. If they can trade Tarasenko. Uh, for a high quality player. Or even good prospects. I like what the Blues are doing. And last one I'll talk about is the New York Rangers trading for Ryan Reeves from the Golden Knights. Well, the New York Rangers want to get tougher, stronger, more physical, and they did that, got Barclay Goodrow, have Ryan Reeves. They have a great identity fourth line, especially with Ryan Reeves, who is one of the heaviest hitters in the game. And that matchup opening night is circled Between the Rangers and the Capitals. Why? Well, last time we saw these two teams, it was a fight fest. Tom Wilson ragdolling Panarin around the ice. Then it was fight after fight the next game. That ain't going to happen anymore with the New York Rangers. Because they have Ryan Reeves. And Ryan Reeves has put the hurt on Tom Wilson multiple times before. Ryan Reeves, to me, is the biggest, strongest, most intimidating player in the NHL, and the Rangers got him. It'll be interesting to see how that works and to see if there is any fireworks between Tom Wilson and him opening night. Now time to get to my top five teams in Major League Baseball. Who are they? Number five, the Tampa Bay Rays. Why? Well, they've acquired Nelson Cruz. That only got better. They just had a 14-0 route of the New York Yankees that proves they're right there with the Boston Red Sox. It's the best in this division, and they are getting it done. Number four, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? Well, we're close to number one in run differential. Just had a big trade haul to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Couple that with the depth that they have and players coming back. They are challenging San Francisco Giants for the best record in baseball. Number three, the Boston Red Sox. Why? Well, they're one of the best teams in the AL, leading a loaded AL East. Have uh, Chris Sale coming back, have made the trades for Kyle Schwarber, and they're looking to do just that, get back to the World Series. Number two, the Houston Astros. Why? Why? Well, they've got the best run differential in baseball. They've scored the more most runs. They traded for a few more relievers as well to strengthen an aspect of their game, which is their bullpen, which has been weak, but they strengthened that. They are looking really good rounding out the last two months of baseball. And who's still sitting at number one through all this? That's the San Francisco Giants. Why? Because they've allowed the least amount of runs in baseball because they are one of the best uh, starting pitching lineup in baseball. They just traded for Chris Bryant as well to add to this veteran crew of hitters that have bought in over here and have overachieved in San Francisco. And they want to make a serious run. So that's my top five. The Tampa Bay Rays, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros, and the San Francisco Giants. Then to wrap up with this final thought, the SEC accepted Oklahoma and Texas into their conference. It looks like that'll happen 2025, so that'll be something I'll probably forget about and be like, oh yeah, forgot Oklahoma and Texas are joining, but because of them joining, it looks like there could be a little dilemma for a college football playoff expansion. Was that Nick Saban's Rouse all along. Somebody who was never in favor of expanding the playoff said, "Hey, we'll add these two teams. It'll delay the playoff. They won't even join right away, and we can win this four-team playoff. You know, for the next four years until I'm, you know, 75, and I retire, and I'm said is, you know, the goat. Even though I'm the goat, but I'll add a few more to my rings as well. Well played, Nick Saban. Well played. I see what you're doing there." Hopefully it's not delayed, but it looks like that could be the case. Nick Saban is just the goat of football coaches. Simple as that. And that's it. Other news, I'll just touch on really briefly. Billie Eilish, a new album, sophomore album, Happier Than Ever, came out last night. It's terrific. She really has not had... A single miss so far. Congratulations to Billy. And for gifting us more music as well. And then Black Widow. Haven't touched on that. But that was an excellent Marvel movie. As somebody that loves Marvel. Loves Disney. That was a great movie. saw it a couple times so far. And have loved every minute of it since. That's what I will end on. See you all. Talk to you all soon. Bye everybody.